Thanks for listening to the 242 Young Adults Podcast with Pastor Justin Corkum. Our prayer is that this message will be an encouragement to your life in Christ. Last week we started, went through the first couple of verses. This was something that God kind of spoke to me uh, in a time in my life where I was really seeking his direction specifically as to, you know, what are we doing here? Like, what are, what's God doing in this church? What's happening through this ministry in particular? Uh, there had been a lot of frustration. Um, I don't know if, if you've been in a place where things just weren't working. Uh, and, and because of that, you're, you're like, man, what, what's going on? I feel like everything that I'm trying is not working. I feel like everything I, I try to put my, my effort into is not bearing any, any results. And so it gets, there's an inner frustration that kind of wells up within you. That's where I was at. And so I was kind of, uh, I was just praying and I, and I felt God sort of speak to me to go uh, read this story. I was reading it actually with my son. Um, for those that weren't here last week, and that's when I really felt like God kind of said, if you want the answer as to, to how to see a vision accomplished in your life, um, then go read the book of Nehemiah. So that's what I did, and, and so God really started speaking. Last week, we talked um, through verses 1 and 2, and we talked about how passion is critical, right? And, and vision accomplished, right? Each of us have an idea or a picture of what we would like our life to to be, what we would want it to look like. Like we have an idea. I told a story about a, uh, last week about my son. Uh, I got a scooter for his birthday and tried to put it together just based off of that picture without reading the instructions. And how vision for our life is sometimes like that. You're trying to assemble something. You know what it should look like in your head, but, but how do you get it together, right? So this is what we talked about last week, passion was the foundation. Passion is where vision being accomplished begins. And, and we talked about two things, passion for people and passion for God's presence. Because you can be passionate about a lot of things, but if you're not passionate about people and you're not passionate about God's presence, then you're going to be left unfulfilled uh, if you try to pour into different areas in your life without having passion for God and a passion for people. And so we saw that in Nehemiah. But it doesn't stop at passion. And we're going to be in this story for a, a few months, right? We're, we're in it this month and next month. And, and so as we see the progression of this individual, this, this guy that we're going to read about, um, just to give some background, I feel like it's always important to give context to, to the story. We're talking about uh, a nation that had been a people group that had been conquered and exiled. Uh, they'd been captured, and so their, their city was left open. So there's a city, uh, this is Jerusalem, that we're talking about. There was no outer wall around it. And so Nehemiah, this guy, ends up mobilizing an entire nation, rallies an entire nation together, and they build this wall around the city in 52 days. And so what... I'm pulling from this, and I hope what we can kind of pull from this for our own lives is when you think about your life, what, what things has God put in you? What dreams do you have like in your life that, that God is really behind you in? Because that's important, getting, getting behind what God's vision for your life is. Because you can set your own vision for your life and it not be quite what God's vision for your life is. 
And so when I say vision accomplished, it is, it is God's vision for your life because God's vision for your life is the best life that you will ever live. God's will for your life is the best life you could ever live. Sometimes our, our measurements, what we think should happen, how we think God should work, you know, we, we set our own parameters to God and say, this is what the best thing would be. But getting to that place of, of trust in God to say, you know what, what is, what is your vision for my life? And so that, this is where I want to pick up is, um, is really speaking to the fact that passion is where we start, but it's not the end, right? You can be passionate about something, but it doesn't mean you just accomplish the vision because you're passionate. Uh, has anybody heard my high school basketball story? I shared it a few weeks ago, right? So um, I played basketball in high school, and I was really passionate about it, you know, but I passionately sat the bench. So just because you're passionate about something doesn't necessarily mean, you know, that your vision of being like Steve Nash, like the new Steve Nash, because my hair was like super long at that time. I could just like, but like, I wanted to be like a, a thousand point scorer, like forward. I was going to be awesome. But that doesn't mean that that happens. Just being passionate about something doesn't make the vision complete. It doesn't help you pull it off. So there's more to it than that. And so we're going to keep d- diving in a little deeper uh, tonight. So if you will, Nehemiah chapter 1. Tonight we're going to be talking about what is your wall? What is your wall? So let's read. It says, In late autumn in the month of Kislev, in the 20th year of King Artaxerxes' reign, I was at the fortress of Susa. Han and I, one of my brothers, came to visit me with some other men who had just arrived from Judah, and I asked them about the Jews who had returned there from captivity and about how things were going in Jerusalem. They said to me, Things are not going well for those who return to the province of Judah. They are in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem has been torn down, and the gates have been destroyed by fire. It was really funny as I was looking at the monitor in the back. People were kind of like, what's he? Oh, it's back there. I'm like, why is he staring at the wall? And it's like he's memorized scripture, and he just needs to look at the wall. So that, Let's pray. Father, I just thank you that you have a word to deliver tonight. And God, I just, I invite you to speak through your word. I know that there are people in this room that are graded on the inside because what they want to see happening in their life is not happening. And God, I, I, can, I just feel it in, in my spirit right now. There are people that, that feel unfulfilled and they've been, they've been pondering the question of God, what, what, do I, what do I need to do? God, why do I feel this way? Lord, I pray that tonight would be a breath of fresh air uh, to to those individuals. God, for those that are searching for what you have for them, I pray that this would be an encouraging word. God, that you would speak through the word. Holy Spirit, we surrender to you now. This is your night. Speak to us. Whatever you would will, speak to us. And we ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen. So I want to focus in on this verse, verse 3, and and there's a couple things that I think are really important for us to kind of principles, if you will, 
to, to glean from. When you read Old Testament, what's great about it is you can see a person's life. You can read, because a lot of it is you're reading about people that are going through certain things, responding to certain things. And, and just like how many have watched, you know, a family member or a friend and you admire the way that they live um, and you've learned things from how they've lived. You've seen things that work because of how they lived and you say, I want to replicate that. I want to, I want to live in a way that, that reflects what they did. Or the opposite, you've seen things in your life that you do not want to reflect, but you're still learning principles from a person's life. And this is exactly, as I'm reading through the story, there's things that I'm, I just pull out and things that I see. And so I just want to speak to the idea of vision requires us to identify a need. We talked about passion last week, and it's good. You need to know what you're passionate about. And, and if you didn't take one of those evaluation forms, the passion versus time, and, and really search sort of inwardly, how many took some time just to think about what am I passionate about this week? Anybody? Cool. A few of you. Yeah, that's great. To really take some time. What am I passionate about? What are the things that I want to do, always like to do? They're just in me. I can't get away from them. Passion. Because ultimately, God is going to use the things that you're passionate about to further his kingdom. But this is really important. That passion without need is going to leave you unfulfilled. There needs to be something that you attach that passion to, to start bringing fulfillment. And not just uh, something that makes you feel good. You need to attach passion to a physical, genuine need. So for me, in, in, in high school, my passion for basketball uh, crumbled under the weight of my capacity to play basketball. That I was more passionate about basketball than I was good at basketball. And so capacity makes a big difference. If you are inclined to something, if God has put giftings in you, that things come naturally to you, that you love, then that's, that's something put in you by God. I use graphic design as a, an example for myself. That's something that God's put in me. And, and we'll talk about that. I'll use that as an example a little later. But you need to begin identifying different things. Music is another thing for myself that I love. It's a passion of mine. It's something that God has put in me. Uh, you know, it might be art for you. It might be uh, education. It might be science, uh, math, business, whatever it is. But God has put something in you that you're good at. And you need to start taking inventory to make sure that you're using the time that you have in the best manner. And so let's... Let's start from uh, the beginning of verse 3. He said, they said to me, things are not going well for those who return to the province of Judah. The thing that we have to recognize is there are problems. There's problems everywhere. Right? There's not a lack of problems. There are plenty of problems. Right? If you, if you look at your job, there's probably problems. Uh, if there's relationships in your life, you could probably look at some relationships and say, okay, yeah, there's definitely some clear issues there I've got to work on. You look at, uh, you even look at the church, right? Look at Paul. Paul wrote letters to a bunch of churches, and what was it about? Most of it was, hey, like damage control, there's some issues here that we have to talk about. There was problems. So there's never a shortage of, of problems in our lives. I think the question is, how do you identify 
which problems God is calling you to respond to. What are, the, what are the problems that God is requiring of you to step up and to be a part of the solution? And, and so I look at, at Nehemiah in this context, and, and so I see his response uh, and, and a progression of thought here, that usually it starts with a problem. And the second thing that we see here is there are symptoms, problems always produce symptoms. What's a symptom? Symptom is a really obvious issue that, that if you look at it straight from the beginning, you can see, uh, yep, that's, there it is. That's a problem. And when I, when I say the word symptom, uh, what's, what's a common thought that pops in your head when you think symptom? Sick, right? I, I, like a, doctor, a doctor's visit is like the first thing that popped into my head. That when you go to, when you go to a, a doctor's office and they ask you, uh, you know, what, what happened? Let, let track the progression here. There's a problem. And the doctor says, what are your symptoms? Right? There's, there's a problem. I don't feel well. Okay, what are your symptoms? When you begin to, what are the obvious things that are issues that you're facing right now? What's, what's standing out to you? Because at, at face value, there will always be things that you can see that stand out as, as issues. Now, what am I talking about? I'm talking about your passions, right? We're talking about influence, doing the things that God has put in you to do to impact people. So you can identify problems and, and, and see that in people's lives. I Honestly, I, look, I had a few that I wrote down. I Hunger, poverty, addiction, anxiety, depressions, uh, sickness. These were these were four. And then, just I just thought like you know, hunger as a an obvious in your face like issue. And I just looked up some facts like uh, approximately eight hundred and forty two million people suffer from hunger worldwide, which is about twelve percent of the world's population. Isn't that crazy? Poverty in twenty fifteen. 10% of the world's population lived on less than a dollar and 90 cents a day. Dollar and 90 cents a day. Addiction. 19.7 million Americans, um, the adult Americans, battle substance abuse in, um, in 2017. Uh, anxiety and depression. This is crazy. And these are just... These are straight off of government websites, right? Anxiety disorders are the most common mental illness in the U.S., affecting 40 million adults, 18% of the population. And then I look at sickness. Sickness is a symptom, right? It's a symptom of, of sin. The only reason that there's sickness in the world is because there's the fall of man, that, that men rebelled against God and sin entered the world, and therefore the decay of the body entered and death entered with Sin. There's symptoms. You look at Jesus' ministry, and I see a God who put on flesh and dwelt among us, but he met physical needs. He fed the hungry. He freed people that were in bondage and oppressed by the devil. He healed sick people. So we, it, it's not, it's not and, and you'll see kind of where we're going. You have to look at a need 
that you know you can fill. Because here is the lie. The lie that, that is the world will feed you is that it is on you to pursue your best interest. To make sure that you do everything that you can to cover your basis. To make sure that you have everything that you need. And to make sure that you're walking in all of the things that you desire. But that does not fulfill your life. That will continually lead you to a place of emptiness. And some of you have, maybe you've felt that. In pursuing just the answers for yourself, you still can't find peace. But what, what takes you to that place and what we talked about, a passion for people. When you get a heart that is broken for other people, it opens up your perspective to life. That you begin to get some of the most fulfilled people are the ones that live sacrificially for others. And so when you begin to see people's, I love the compassion of Jesus because when he saw people's need, he was moved. That there is a moment when Jesus looks over a crowd and he, he cries out of compassion because they were like sheep without a shepherd, is what the Bible says. That they were lost. They didn't know where they were going. And I feel like sometimes we feel that way. This is like a, an integral part of our life, a time in our life where we are in a place where we're asking a lot of questions. We're seeking direction. We want meaningful impact for our lives. We don't just want to do the day-to-day -day grind. And the day-to-day -day grind just gets old after a while. It just feels tired. You want to do something that's meaningful, that has purpose, that makes a difference in people's lives. And a heart for people leads you to that place. And so here Nehemiah is hearing a problem. And then he sees a symptoms here. He says uh, in verse 3, he says that the people were in great trouble and in disgrace. Now, in that conversation, when his brother drops, you know, trouble and disgrace, this is what those two words meant. The word trouble meant evil, distress, misery, injury, and calamity. Like, that's pretty rough. The idea of, of people are being hurt, people are being oppressed by evil people, that they're in distress. This is, this is a, a very high, intense level of trouble. And in disgrace, that word means reproach, scorn, to taunt, to rest upon the condition of shame that they were shamed because of their situation, that they were even mocked by others because of where they were. Symptoms. Symptoms. And so for, for where we are, we can identify different needs, different symptoms. But what's even more important is that is making sure that we take the time that we need to discover the cause because every symptom has a cause i just want to i just want to read uh something from a, a commentary that i had i just uh, i was like there's no way i'm really going to say this better so let me just read it uh it, it says this it says the state of the people and the state of the city walls were intimately connected in the ancient world during that time 
A city without walls was a city completely open and vulnerable to its enemies. An unwalled city was always a backwater town with nothing valuable in it. And if there were anything of value in an unwalled city, it would be stolen easily because there was no defense to stop it. Those living in an unwalled city lived in constant stress, uh, stress, tension, and they never knew when they might be attacked and brutalized. Every man lived in constant fear for his wife and children. The temple could be rebuilt in the city, but never made beautiful because anything of value would be taken easily. No wonder the people lived in constant distress and constant disgrace and reproach, living only as survivors. So here we see the wall of Jerusalem has been torn down and the gates have been destroyed by fire. The cause, you can look at a lot of the symptoms that people are facing in their life. Just going back to that doctor illustration, a doctor examines symptoms in you what to get to the root, to get to the cause, to figure out why you are responding the way that you are. And when Jesus ministered to people, he didn't just meet needs, he spoke to the cause, right? He didn't just feed people, he taught them the word of God. He didn't just heal people or forgive people, he said, go and sin no more. That it was, it was a balance between meeting a need and speaking to the cause. And there are many people who are connecting themselves to programs or or different government agencies that are meeting needs whether it be people that are are hungry or people that just are in poverty they they're helping addicted people or maybe people who are really downcast the the point of the matter is that if you are feeding a person food but you are not declaring the hope of Jesus Christ then you are giving them bread but not giving them the bread of life. That you could find, you could dig wells and get clean water to, to a tribe in a foreign uh, land, but if you do not give them the hope of Jesus Christ, then you're giving them water, but you're not giving them living water. You're not giving them water that will last eternal life. So at the, at the core of every single need, there's a greater need, and that's Jesus. So when you think about vision for your life, when you think about, okay, we talked about passion. Oh, I I know the things that I'm passionate about. I know, well, okay, now let me think about a need that I can get behind. That it's not just about connecting with a need, but it's about how do I do this where I'm pointing people to Jesus? How can I connect people with the hope of Jesus Christ? And that's where there's a lot of people that are successful, but unfulfilled. There's a lot of people who have a ton, but have nothing at all. They could gain the whole world, but yet lose their soul. They could have it all and have nothing at the exact same time. And so that's not what, that's not what God has for you. That's not what God has for your life. Because God desires to use you and you to walk in fulfillment. And I believe that it begins when you understand that you have been created to impact others. And and why is it so easy to get focused on ourselves? 
Because I believe at least that that's the, the enemy's number one tactic in our life is to make sure that we don't get focused on others. That if we stay preoccupied with ourselves, then it will limit our impact on other people. That's why passion for people like we talked about last week is so important. So Nehemiah saw this. He saw that there was a problem. He recognized the symptoms. But he also saw through that and said there's a cause to that problem. So I just want to ask you guys tonight, what is your wall? Right? That's, that's what the message is, is titled. What is your wall? One of the things that's really important for us to, to, to look inwardly is to say, God, what is my cause? What is the thing that you're calling me to pursue? For Nehemiah, it was a wall. But that wall represented safety. For who? For himself? No, he didn't even live there. It was for others. That wall meant protection. That wall meant representing a God who, who, def, who is known as, you know, we talked about Jerusalem being the place where God dwelt and, and people, how they would see the city wall and they would judge a, a city's God according to the status of the city. To see a broken wall there, they'd say, your God isn't with you. And so it was to defend the honor of God. It was to defend the people themselves. His heart was for the Lord and his heart was for other people. And because of that, he took a step and said, I see a need and I have the capacity. God has put it in my heart. He's put a passion in my heart for those people. He's put a passion in my heart to meet that need and I'm going to do it. And he made a decision to say, I'm not going to sit around anymore. I'm not just going to hope something happens, but I'm going to do something to make it happen. And, and we have to get to a place where we're so broken for people's situation that we say, how can, how can I use what God has put in me to make a difference? How can I change that scenario? And so you might be asking, well, how do I use my passion for God. Because that's, that's the hang-up sometimes that we have. And so, so I'll use two examples. One, I, I started a, uh, like a side business uh, a few months ago just to help my family and, and uh, to support my family uh, in a better way. And so, so that's a graphic design business. Right, so wh wh why did I do that? Well, it's because I enjoy it. I, I have a passion for it, and I have capacity there. Like, there's gifting there. I'm not, you know, the greatest graphic designer in the world, but I am certainly not the worst. So I enjoy it. I, I like doing it. But let me let me show you my pattern of thought here, right? Because my when I go through something, I want to give you a practical example um, so that it's helpful to you. When I do something, I don't, I don't just want to do something to do something. I want to do something with purpose behind it. So I said, okay, I, I have an ability. I have something here that I can use, a passion that's in my heart that I can use 
Now, the question is, how do I use that to influence? Not just myself. How do I use that to influence others? What was one of the, the primary reasons? First was my family. The driving force behind that decision was my family. What provide for my family? You know, that's not thinking of me. That's thinking of, of others. The second thing that I did was I, I got even more specific. I want to attach my passion to something that is advancing the kingdom of God. So I specifically made it geared towards churches. Why? Because marketing and, and design is all about amplifying and communicating effectively a message. Who has the greatest message in the entire world? The church. So why would I, I want to, I want to spend time if I'm going to spend time on something, I'm going to spend time on something that is going to amplify and, and communicate the greatest message that there is. And that's, that's why I decided to do it. Why? Because I want to help churches communicate the message of the gospel more effectively. And so you can use something that isn't like, oh, Graphic design, it's so churchy, right? I don't want to use an example of like, oh, I was called to ministry and I went to Bible college and I, because then everybody's like, oh, that's not. So, so what do I do if that's not what God's put in my heart? Another example that I thought of um, just today um, is Hobby Lobby. How many know of Hobby Lobby? If you don't, there's one in this city. You live here. Should drive around a little. So Hobby Lobby, if you know this or not, they are owned uh, by a Christian couple. And uh, they've got Hobby Lobbies all over the United States. And uh, what it is, is it's an arts and crafts store. So at, at, a, you know, at a glance, you wouldn't look at an arts and crafts store and think, ooh, powerhouse for Jesus, you know? selling canvases and watercolors and little signs you can hang up in your bathroom. Like, that's not, it doesn't look fancy. You walk into a Hobby Lobby and you go, this is an arts and crafts store. Cool. They got a lot of great stuff in there, by the way. I do. But it doesn't, you don't think powerhouse kingdom of God. Right? That's not what hits you as soon as you walk in. But... What you don't know, or maybe you do, is that that family has given hundreds of millions of dollars to ministry. And not, not just like, or I mean ministry, gospel ministry. And I started thinking about it. They gave the campus that I went to school in to our school. Like, they literally spent millions of dollars on a college campus in Bradford, Massachusetts. And they said, hey, Zion Bible College, we know you're about to go under. That you're in debt up to your eyeballs and the school is about to close. Here's a brand new campus, debt free. And they dropped a $12 million property in the lap of my school. The school that I went to. And I thought about it. Here I am on a Friday night. Steph and I have been serving in this church for seven years, and we were trained for ministry in a school that they bought and that they have a part in what is being spoken tonight. You cannot look at the giftings that God has put in you 
and disqualify the impact for eternity. That he right now has impacted my life. I got my training for ministry because of him. Because if he didn't do that, I wouldn't have been in the college that I was in. I wouldn't have gone to the college that was up to dead in their eyeballs because they would have been closed. Which means if I didn't go to that college, I wouldn't have had the connection that Steph made here when she interned as, uh, uh, for her music degree. And getting connected with Pastor Gary, which led to the position. Do you see the influence that one person can make? That I could literally go up to Dave and Green and say, I would not be in ministry where I am in New Hampshire if it wasn't for you, owner of Hobby Lobby, arts and craft store. Think about that. And how many times do we disqualify passions that God has put in our heart because we're not dreaming big enough? We're not dreaming or thinking about how we can use what God has put in us for the kingdom of God. How can we use it so that we can identify genuine need and connect to that need, but do it with the core issue at hand? Jesus. It always will and always will be about Jesus. Jesus. 